Hey, one more thing before you go. Have you ever asked the question, what is the role of a grandparent in today's world before they're gone? Life can change in an instant. We never know what's going to happen. Are you a grandparent? Do you have grandparents? Well, we all have grandparents, but are they still here? What legacy do we need to leave behind to our grandchildren? Would it be developing good reading habits, talking about the homeless baby boomers? Stay tuned. In this episode, we're going to talk to a grandfather who wrote a unique book, which leaves a legacy, and it's an experience that he had with his grandchildren, but it's lessons that we can all learn from. Welcome to Over the Teacup Friday, where we sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea, coffee, or whatever you are drinking, and have a conversation about essential things in life. In today's episode, we have a wonderful guest known in the children's book world as Gramps Jeffries, also known as Mark Joseph. He's an entrepreneur and a writer. His latest children's book, I Don't Want to Turn Three, is based on the true experiences he had with his six grandchildren. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Grandparents. One more thing before we go. Welcome to the show. Michael, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate being here. Absolutely. Um, what a, a varied uh, uh, life that you've got here. You've got, uh, you know, I know you're an entrepreneur, you're CEO, and uh, you're a business person. You are a writer in several avenues, but uh, this is your first foray into a children's book. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a it's a true story, you know, living this past year because of the pandemic caused by COVID-19 and isolation, you know, except for being able to be with my family, it really gave me special time to watch and interact with all my grandkids. I got to tell you that what a, what a, what a trip that was, you know, all six kids have completely different uh, personalities. The one thing that they do have in common is their curiosity, their sense of curiosity, and how excited they get when they, they do, do accomplish something. So this book is based on those experiences. You know, what goes through a toddler's mind the parents are so desperate to understand? You know, when does a toddler understand the difference between me and us? Yeah, so this whole book explores how the family finds out together. Uh, and I, I, I'm comfortable to say that, you know, this is an event that happened in my family, but I think it happens in every single family in the world. Well, yeah, and it's, I think that in reality, we know that um, being a parent, being a grandparent, being a, a, a person that has a family, whether um, they're grown children or not, we are always, always a parent. We're always, always a grandparent. I think it's... Uh, an important uh, is an important hierarchy within family life, right? Well, you know the, the the difference that I see from when I'm growing up, when I was growing up to, to today's world is, you know, when, when I, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, and my uncle lived up the street, and my grandmother lived a couple blocks away, and we had the whole family kind of unit together, and so you know you're interacting with your family all day long. 
all week long. But in today's world, and just using me as an example, you know, we've moved all over the country. Our kids are all over the country. You know, I live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. A couple of my grandkids live here, but I've got a couple grandkids in Austin, Texas, and a couple grandkids in uh, Orlando, Florida. So to keep in contact and keep that and, and be the grandparent that our grandparents were to us, you know, it, it's a different uh, venture today. I grew up the same way you did. It we had. I remember. I look back on my lifetime, and you know, I remember the uh, uh, the whole family being in the same apartment complex. For example, we pretty much took up the whole apartment complex. My grandparents lived in one. My uncles and aunts lived in other apartments. My great uncles and aunts lived in in different apartments. And then every weekend, we'd all converge, especially around my grandparents' house. Our apartment, actually not house, but we converge around my grandparents' house. Uh, and within that, that's where we do the meals and we play games and we go out and, you know, on this apartment complex we all lived in was huge. So it took up acres um, and the front lawns were huge. So we'd go out, well, at least as kids, they were huge. It may not be if I go back and look at them now. Uh, but, you know, you go out and, and just play football and uh, baseball and, you know, run around and then go back to grandma and grandpa's house and uh, you'd eat and you'd talk and you'd laugh and you'd hear everybody in the family environment. And, you know, I, I don't really see that these days. I see most people, even when you go into a restaurant, I think you see most people, they're sitting at the table and even though they're sitting at the same dinner table, everybody's got their head down in their phone. You know, nobody's having a conversation. Yeah, you know, you've got to take a look at, you know, I'm a baby boomer and it looks like you're a baby boomer too. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we, you know, we've got a whole generation here that grew up and now are different. And uh, it, it's sad when I, when I think that probably 40% of the, the baby boomer generation really is not involved in bringing up their grandkids. You know, they, they, they figured that, oh, I raised some great kids. They'll take care of it. You know, I've got to go on and do my thing. I want to live my life. Uh, and and I, I just think that we're missing so much by not throwing back and going after our grandkids. You know, when you think about it, you know, every decade we get a little more smarter. We get a little wiser. You know, we, we, we learn a little bit more. You know, we're smarter today than we were 20 years ago. Uh, and we need to pass that on. We need to be able to share with our experiences uh, to, the, to the youngest generation. You know, because the scary thing right now is with COVID and we're all sitting here, you know, we're still here. So it, it hasn't gone away. You know, we're dying like crazy. I mean, the, the, our generation hasn't died as much as it is right now, you know, and, and so we're losing people. And so, you know, you know when, you, when you think about it with, with a grandchild, you only have 18 years, if you're lucky, to really make a difference in their life. And most of them, it's only 10 or 12 years because they become their own person and, you know, they, you know they're done with grandpa. But, but um, you only have that uh, 18 year span. And as you know, these decades go fast. You know, that's only two decades. And think about in our lives, what's happened over just two decades of our lives and how that changes. Uh, so you've got to live in the moment and, you know, because you're here today, could be gone tomorrow. And we've got to get back into our grandkids' lives. Do you think from a grandparent's perspective and or a parent's perspective that we need to start teaching our kids good reading habits again? Oh, that's one thing that we've, we just have to do. Okay. And I, I recommend that, that, Every night we read to these little kids. 
I mean, if you, if you, if you think about it, uh, the smartest thing, the benefits of reading, uh, obviously, the first benefit is the bonding. You know, if you're a grandparent yeah. uh, and uh, you're with a child and that, that 15, 20 minutes that you take to, to really read a book where it's one on one, you know, it, it, it's great for the bonding. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. It's a perfect way to get to, 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 to know your kids a little better. You know, the second reason we have to be reading to our kids is because it supports all kinds of listening skills. Now, you and I know in our elderly years that listening skills are the best skills that we can develop. Absolutely. Uh, the more we listen, the more we learn, the more we can communicate back. So. Reading a book with a child one-on-one it just creates these listening skills for them because, you know, you're both listening to what's going on. You know, the other reason we need to, to keep reading to these kids is the, the cognitive and the, the language development. You know, there's all kinds of words in these books that they may not have heard. So you get a chance to teach them those words and they understand those words. So you can do that. But, you know, what it really comes down to is... It gives you 15, 20 minutes to give a child a chance to have some attention span so they can concentrate. You know, the little kids, they're, they're bouncing off the walls all, all day long. And if you can, you can take them this 15, 20 minutes and help them with learning how to do these, the, the attention, the concentration, the self-discipline that comes, you know, that's why we have to read books to, to, to kids. And we've got to encourage it in today's world of the world of electronics. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a pretty good point because when you think back, I mean, we read to our children um, before they were even born. I mean, my wife would read a book as she was pregnant. She would read a book, you know, she'd do it nightly um, to each one of our girls when they were growing up. So when uh, basically after they were born, they had an interest in reading, believe it or not. And uh, to this day, they still do. Um, which is unique because, like you said, with electronics the way they are today and going back to the looking in the phone, reading on the iPad, looking in the iPad, the games, the phones, the everything, um, it takes care of a lot of what we take for granted. For example, it will auto-correct. It will auto-spell. It, it will, you know what I mean? It, it, it takes the place of actually taking the time to understand what that word is or how to spell that word. Yeah, you know, and going back to why you have to read to kids, um, and, and I would recommend, you know, obviously I want everybody to buy my book, but there's a hundred other great books out there uh, that, uh, that the kids can read. And, and we all have in our own homes, you know, you know, 10, 20 books for kids to choose from to read. So, you know, when, when you sit down with your child to, to read them a book, let them pick it out. Okay, get them involved right up front of all the books. Let them pick the one that they want to hear about tonight. Um, so, so they, they become involved in it. And then, you know, even before you open the book, you know, ask the child, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Okay. And, and the reason I say that is that our job as grandparents and parents is really to teach the children how to think not what to think, right? So we have got to keep planting seeds in their minds, um, teaching them how to think. Right? So when you get the book and you ask them, what do you think is going to happen in this book? That starts that whole process of teaching them how to think. You know? and, and then, you know, as you're, as you're reading the book, you know, ask them, what, what are the 
characters in the books. Who are they? You know, where is the setting? Again, making these little kids start to think about, you know, what's going on around them. Um, you know, and, you know, as you're reading the book, you want to ask them, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Have you, have you experienced it? Have any of your friends experienced it? Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to, you want to you keep, keep questioning again, teaching them how to think. Um, and then after the book, you want to say, what was your favorite part of the book? Same thing you do when you, when you sit down with dinner with them and say, what was your favorite part of the day? In this particular book, just ask them what was their favorite part of the book and, and why was that the favorite part? Again, that's part of our role is we want these little kids to think and think as early as they can. That, it's an interesting, uh, uh, not approach, but it's an interesting practice. I think that we all should take the time in order to what advice would you give to grandparents out there who want to implement a reading program? Let's say that, um, uh, and, and I'm saying this from a very uh, broad perspective, obviously, because not everybody is this way, but do you have any advice for anybody that wants to implement kind of a reading program if they don't see it within their kid's um, house with regard to their grandchildren? Well, you know, you really want to create that uh, habit of a reading program. So the first thing you have to be is you have to be a role model. Okay. When I see that, you know, if you spend more time on the internet and on the you know, TV and on the screens, your kids are going to emulate that. They're going to spend more time. So if your kids see you reading a book or reading a magazine, um, you know, they're going to say, well, you know, that's, that's what I should do. So the first thing you have to say as a grandparent is, you know, let your kids see you read. Let, let them let them understand what you're reading. You know, then you want to make sure that it's part of a bedtime routine. Take your bath, read your book. It's just part of the way it happens. You know, you've got to make sure that that involves uh, that you're doing that. And, and you, you, you should in a space that you have, you know, specify a study space or a little library. So in their bedroom or in your, your, your living room, have a little place for all your books. And that's the go-to place to make sure that they have a specific space that they can read or study. And, and so, so make sure you have that in, in, in there too. Um, you know, the books that you have, you want to make sure that they're colorful and they're visual because that's what's attract little kids. You know, they, they don't know words yet, so they, they do it by visually. So make sure that in your assortment of books that you've got a lot of color going on. Um, and you want to understand what your kids' natural tendency is. You know, they may like uh, finding things about reading about other kids. They may like think reading about animals. Just make sure what it is. Um, and when all this is said and done, just make sure you're limiting the screen time that you have with your kids. You know, everybody, everybody gets one or two hours a day. That's nothing wrong with that. But, but make sure it's not six hours a day. Um, and so as a grandparent, those are some of the things that you can do. So you, your book is right behind you. Would you mind holding that up so we can oh, see uh, sure. from a visual perspective what you were talking about with making sure something is visual so that they can yeah. um, literally pick it? Um, there you go. Uh, this is I don't your want to book. Turn cover. three. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to turn three. Um, in fact, I I I almost can agree with that. I don't want to turn. <laughs> um, so the what. what what gave you your interest in, I know that you've written a lot, some other books, some business books, and you're an entrepreneur by trade. You're a business person, uh, and you talk about the secrets of uh, retailing and 
and things like this. What what inspired you to write a children's book? Well, you almost just said it. You said about taking responsibility. You know, at what age do you actually do take responsibility uh, for all the actions that you have? Is, is it three years old? Is it 13? Is it 23? I mean, uh, I've got plenty of people I know that are 63. And they still don't take responsibility for their actions. Yeah, so, know. you know, that's what kind of brought the, the thought to mind is watching these, these little kids. When do they actually take responsibility for their actions? You know, you know, when, when do they know the difference between me and us? When, when, when is that? And that was my motivation was trying to figure that out. How long did it take you to write that book? Well, you know, I, I had all the kids together for about six weeks to watch them. And the, the one thing about great about grandparents is you can always give the kids back. You know, we, the sec we the secret ingredient to being a grandparent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we can kind of look at them from a view, but you know, just give them back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that's, and then, uh, then after they all left, it took me a couple weeks to kind of pull it all together. Oh, that's pretty cool. That illustrations, did you do those or did, do you have an illustrator? Well, all of the pictures in the book, because the book's a true story. So all of the pictures in the book are pictures that I took of the kids. So like uh, you just saw the front page of the book, you know, that is uh, Levi and Jackson when they were sitting in the bathtub. That was an actual picture. Uh, it happens that Levi loves sea creatures. So that's why you see cre sea creatures all over the bathtub, because that's what he had. Uh, and so they were all based on pictures that I'd taken. I, I sent it to an illustrator and she put it into the cartoon, kind of a feel for a children's book. Oh, very um, cool. But, but it's a, yeah, it's a pretty true story. So this book is just this not just a book. It's a more it's a personal perspective. Yeah, you know, as a baby boomer trying to understand how the world has evolved since you know I was I was three years old, you know, is also part of the story. You know, my my parents uh, when they, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have the internet. Uh, they didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. Me you, know, too. I, you know, and so life has really changed, you know, and, and has today's world made a better place for, for kids to grow up? Uh, I'll let your listeners kind of answer that question. Um, but, you know, you can take a look at how we were treated when we were growing up to how kids are treated today. Yeah, I think it's there. I, I noticed that distinctly myself. And I noticed that even when I was in, uh, on the job in law enforcement uh, and watching how families interacted and uh, some of the practices and habits that, that were going on that I look back and thought, you know, when I was a kid, this never would have happened, you know, kind of a situation or it would have been a little bit different. I think people uh, today, unfortunately, have stopped eating at the dinner table. They've stopped having conversations about you know, how was your day? How was your life? Kids go in, they walk in the door, they go to their room, they shut the door, they pick up their iPad, they pick up their phone, they turn on the TV, whatever the case may be, and they don't have the interaction, the personal interaction or the communication skills that they need to interact as a family. And unfortunately, I think we've lost that. Um, I do agree, or I think that in my opinion, I think COVID over the last uh, couple of years now has changed a perspective on the value of family and the value of what we have and what we can lose in an instant. Um, I've learned through several conversations within this podcast alone that you know life can change in an instant. You never know what's going to happen, um, which brings 
me to you know another uh, subject that I thought we'd touch upon is uh, you, you had mentioned homeless baby boomers. You know, how do you, how what advice would you give to to people who are homeless um, baby boomers who don't have the opportunity to maybe implement what we just talked about? Yeah, that's a very serious question because there is a good proportion of us baby boomers that do not have homes. You know, and that's an exception. You know, that they need to be worried about themselves first. And we as society need to be worried about them first. Uh, and so we've got to make sure we take care of them. And it's, it's almost a reversal role. You know, whereas we're talking now about grandparents helping out little kids. Uh, now that's when their kids have to step up and help them out. You know, they've got to make that extra effort to, to get them off the streets and see what they can do. And, you know, if they don't have any kids, then it's up to us as society. It's one of the things that we have got to make sure happens. Um, so, you know, they, they, you can't really count them in on this conversation because they just don't have that opportunity. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think society as a whole needs to understand and remember compassion, humanity, um, and love for our fellow man, our fellow person, our fellow, you know, men, women, children, and take that into consideration and kind of give an opportunity for them to come into a positive environment. You know, there's a, a question that the grandparents can instill in their grandkids that kind of brings that home. Um, you know, much like we were talking about asking questions, how was, what did you do during the day? How'd you like the book? Right. You know, one of the questions that I urge all of your listeners to start asking and ask it at an early age, two-year-olds understand this, three-year-olds understand it also, is, uh, you know, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? Okay, if you step back and think about that, you know, the first time you ask that question, because we've I've been experimenting with our kids, um, you know, they look at you like you're crazy. You know, you know, they're busy playing with their trucks and they don't want to share their trucks and, you know, their cousin took their truck and, you know, that's their life right now. But if you step back, and you start asking your child, what did you do today that was nice to someone else? And you start doing that every day. Then that becomes part of their return because they know you're going you're gonna to ask it to them later on than the, the, the week. And they're going to go out of their way, hopefully, to not take the truck from their cousin, to, to share something with their friends. And as they get older, to do that. So I just would urge all of the parents and the grandparents who are listening today, you know, start that. What did you do today that was nice to someone else? And I think in the long run, that could help us change the atmosphere we have here in our country today uh, to help more people helping each other. I agree with that. Those are uh, excellent words of wisdom that you've shared. I appreciate that. Uh, is there one more thing before we go? as grandparents, that we should try to uh, implement or kind of do or say? We have got to get more involved with our kids' lives, okay? And, and you can do it. It's much easier, again, when your parents live down the street. But you know, let me give you an example of what we're doing or what we did. And I'm sure your listeners can come up with their own examples. But for some reason, all these little kids love dinosaurs, 
I have no idea why. But at two and three and four years old, they can name all these long names of dinosaurs. You know, they can tell me if they uh, eat meat or if they're vegetarians. You know, as far as I'm concerned, dinosaurs are small, medium, and large. You know, but they, they have all these. They love the dinosaur. And I found their friends are the same way. I don't know why, but this is the trend now. So what we did, we have six little dinosaurs of our own here in the house. Um, and when all the kids left from went back to, to Orlando and to Austin, you know, we figured, how are we going to keep in touch with these kids? What are we going to do to, to, to make them feel related to their grandparents? Um, because little kids aren't going to call you. You can't count on them. You know, you got to call them. I mean, it's just the way it is. So we decided to take our six dinosaurs and every night put them someplace else in the house because they were familiar with our house now because they were here for a little while. Um, and so, for instance, we had them in the refrigerator eating blueberries. And then we had them by the sink with grandma washing the dishes with soap on their noses. And then we had them playing the piano. And then we had them walking up the steps. And so we had inside our house and outside our house 50 different nights of the dinosaurs doing something different. So what happened is we became part of their routine, even though we weren't there down the street from them. You know, they would take their bath, they would read their book, and then they would say to their mom and dad, let's call Gramps. What are the dinosaurs doing tonight? So, you know, they would, they would get on the uh, iPhone, call my wife, who's got the FaceTime, and they wouldn't ask for her. They'd, where's Gramps? Where's Gramps? And so that helped us stay in touch with them during this COVID where we couldn't see them again. Um, and so... I would imagine that every grandparent has something that they can relate to with their grandkids so they can do something similar. That's brilliant. That's very, that's brilliant, actually. Um, that's, I think that uh, uh, your words of wisdom, I think, are uh, something that's important that everybody should ingrain within themselves, whether you're a parent or whether you're a grandparent. I think it applies both directions. Um, because you, you as a parent sometimes don't always get the opportunity to spend that much time with your kids or life circumstances put you where you're working all the time. You're out of the house all the time. So everything you just said, I think, can apply to parents as well as grandparents. Oh, you're absolutely right. And hopefully we as grandparents have raised our kids good enough so that we're proud of how they're parents. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the goal, right? You pass your legacy on and that legacy continues to grow um, down down the line of generations is pretty cool. Uh, you, Absolutely. I know that you uh, you in in the real in the regular world you are an entrepreneur and a CEO. Tell me tell me about that a little bit. I know that you've written several books in regard to business. Oh, let me show you my other book. It's uh, it's called The Secrets of Retailing: How to Beat Walmart. And this is a step-by-step. -step. If you have any entrepreneurs or small business uh, owners in the, in the audience, it's really a step-by-step -step guide to uh, opening up a business. I started an online company that became the premier business-to-business -business site on the Internet uh, where we sold case quantity to small businesses all around the world. And you know, they would come to us because we would uh, give them products at wholesale and close-out prices that they compete against the chains with. So I was getting these calls from our customers. How do you do this? How do you do that? So I wrote a book. It's 15 different chapters. It's a step-by-step -step guide. For instance, you know, a whole chapter on how to hire people, how to find locations, you know, how to find products, where you buy goods, how to advertise, how to use the Internet. So that, that is a book that uh, I've written for entrepreneurs. 
Um, you know, and I, and I keep thinking that this newest generation of kids, you know, the, these kids that are one to 10 years old, uh, is going to become or has become, is going to be the best generation of kids that this this country has ever put together, have ever raised. Um, and there's going to be a lot of entrepreneurs coming out of this group, too. And I think it's a combination of, you know, they're the first generation that has completely raised on, you know, the iPhone and the Internet and the instant access to information. So they learn much quicker than most other generations have because they're exposed to those kinds of electronic things. Now, we as parents and grandparents have to make sure that doesn't happen all day long, but it should be a part of, of what they do. So, you know, I, I think this this generation is going to be the best one we've ever produced. And, and we as grandparents have to supplement what they're learning online with just our wisdom and to, to, to try to steer them in the right ways. So uh, the only reason I brought that up while I was talking about my, uh, my book is I just think that this is going to be the greatest generation of entrepreneurs we've, we've ever had in this country. I agree with you. I think that uh, especially, like you said, with the technology that's out there now, I think more and more individuals are more interested in that. Um, the, the advent of technology within itself has allowed people to go on. Uh, well, well, I think recently I just heard the, um, there's like four point some odd million people just quit their jobs to start their own businesses. And the majority of them were younger people. I, I've lost track of the generations, but it's, it's <laughs> between generation millennials and X's and you know everything else. But uh, the majority of those were younger people that said, I just don't want to fall into this mode again. And they, they quit to create their own businesses and in their own lifestyle, their own jobs, their own uh, way in life. Well, when you think that this country of ours has 31.7 million small businesses, okay, we, we always are concerned, but that's a lot, 31.7 million small businesses, you know, and we've got 20,000 large businesses, okay? I mean, small businesses, entrepreneurship, they're the backbone of this country. Uh, and uh, if these younger generations start their own businesses, it's just going to help us grow. You know, that, yeah. And so, so I applaud. I applaud anyone who decides that they want to take that chance. Uh, because you know, it, we also have to keep in mind that 20% of new businesses fail in the first year. Okay, That's one in five. You know, and 50%, half of them fail in the first five years. So you got a one in two chance of actually being successful. So it takes guts to go out there and start your own business. So I, I applaud all those that uh, that are doing that. And the majority of those are the younger, very young generation, actually. So it's, yeah, it's very good. Let's talk a bit about how to find you in your book. Oh, yes. You can buy uh, either one of the books are on Amazon. Uh, you can find I Don't Want to Turn Three on Amazon and on uh, Barnes and Noble and about 100 other sites there. Or just come to my site, scrampsjeffrey.com. You can see it up there and uh, they'll get you directed in the right area. And, you know, if any of your listeners want to talk about children or uh, grandparents or business, feel free to have them contact me. My email is gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. I love to talk to anyone about, uh, you know, what they're doing and how they're doing it. 
Yeah, you're fantastic. And I'll have all the information in the show notes so that it's easy for people to find you as well. So the ones that listen to the podcast can go to the show notes and find everything that you just said. And we can make sure that you guys can make a, a connection. And for the other grandparents that are out there listening, the parents and the grandparents, um, you're also an, a writer and an author of um, several blogs and magazine articles, correct? Yes, you know you can find me on uh, you know Baby Boomers Women's Magazine, and uh, you know, I've got uh, a bunch of blogs on my site, and so feel free to to, to share those with everyone. So, the the what do you think the grandparents of today can leave to their grandchildren? Um, what type of legacy do you think do you feel that we might be able to leave to them? I think the number one legacy we can leave with them is compassion. You know, you know, how do we how do we really feel about others? And you know, as we get older, I think we get more compassionate. Yeah, yeah. The, I've always felt that when you love, you will teach others to love. So I think that's a message that we as grandparents. Because uh, again, we're not in the day in day out thing when they, they throw the tantrums, and we have, we we have a chance to go in there, you know, uh, at certain times. So I, I think that's our legacy: is you know, when you love, you'll teach others to love, because we want them to grow up in a more loving world than we have today. You know, I I usually ask. We have one more. Do you, uh, this is one more thing before you go. And if you have any words of wisdom, and I believe that you just said them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, listen, Gramps, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share this insight and your wisdom, the grandfather wisdom, with the rest of us. I think that uh, our listeners really will enjoy what we have to share and what we have to say. And uh, I applaud you for remembering or putting out there that grandparents are significant and that grandparents are something that's important in people's, our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives. Uh, grandparents in totality, not just grandfathers, but grandmothers uh, as, a, as a whole. And that, uh, yeah, what you bring to the, to the world is a really, really good thing. So thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Michael, for inviting me. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.